Oh, yes. Five-time Grammy winner, Kevin Roosevelt Moore. Except he doesn't like to be called that. He grew up in a part of town in Tennessee where everybody calls him Keb Mo. <laughs> Keb is short for Kevin and Mo. Well, that's Moore, of course. Keb Mo means Kevin Moore. And uh, I'm so happy to share that music with you today. Uh, let's see. He's on his trusty blues guitar with Let Your Light Shine. This is from his 2004 album, Keep It Simple. It's a good philosophy. This is Lead Stories. Once again, I'm Utrice Lead. I'm so happy to be back with you. Uh, we had a little hiccup there, but we have geniuses. That's the good thing. We have geniuses in our midst, and when things go really crazy off the hook, off the chain, uh, we just need to have our faith in them, and they come through. So thank you. I want to really salute our chief engineer and station manager. I want to say thank you so much for the work you were going crazy, I know, Rodney uh, Harris, and you are, I hope you get some rest in the course of the week, just to save as much as you could squeeze out. This is Lead Stories. I'm Eutrice Lead, and we are back with each other again, and hopefully everything is everything once again. All right. So today I'm going to ask you, oh, by the way, by the way, I want to go back. Yes, indeed. I'm not going to leave the subject uh, incomplete. I'm going to go back and tidy it up and finish it up and put a nice uh, end to it. And that has to do with Trump's mental condition. We had talked about it. I talked about the fact that... Uh, in 2019, well, 2017, sorry, the independent newspaper reported that a convocation of mental health experts had gathered uh, at a conference and Trump was the subject. This is in 2017. I did a story in 2017 on the basis of this conference and the, the gathering and what they were discussing, and they were discussing that Trump was a dangerous, mentally dangerous individual. He was out of control. Back then, 2017, July 4th, as a matter of fact, the July 4th weekend was when they gathered. And Trump was the center of discussion. Now, in our discussion, you had raised some questions about, you know, how could they come to uh, that kind of conclusion when they haven't even interviewed the guy? They haven't talked to him. They have no personal interaction with him, where did they get this information from? Well, sometimes 
it pays to listen just to saying to what some professionals are saying. And they came public with it. They were very public with their assessment of Donald Trump as being a dangerous uh, person, dangerous mental illness, they said he had. They assessed him as having. Because look at what has happened. The whole topic of discussion from the January 6th committee centered on his dangerous mental behavior, conduct, and the danger that it, it, it posed. And we had witnesses who worked with him, people who were employed in the White House, key witnesses verifying the same kind of theme that the psychiatrists and psychologists and mental health experts had tried to tell the nation in 2017 when they assessed him as uh, having dangerous mental illness. Those were their words. Sometimes it pays to listen. Sometimes, despite, you know, you have reservations, I understand that, and questions, I understand that, but it pays to take heed. And the reason they gave uh, at the time for going public with their assessment was that they felt as a professional group of professional organizations they had what they called a duty to warn, a duty to warn that exceeded every other demand. A duty to, wa to warn overrode, in their view at the time, anything else. They had a duty to warn the nation that this man should never be president of the United States. He was not fit to be president. He was delusional. And he had a host of psychiatric problems that, as experts, they could easily spot. I understand the concern that people have, and they, they expressed it, the last time we talked, that, you know, this is a field that many people are skeptical of anyway. You know, how could you tell what's in a person's mind? How could you do this? How could you do that? How could you say this? How could you say that? I, I could understand the hesitancy to just go 100% for it. But... We still have to bear in mind, maybe they know something. Maybe they know something. And we should pay attention. Now, when they put out that report in 2017, five years ago, if people had paid attention to it then, would we be in the same situation that we're in now? 
lot of people had trouble with the fact, not called us to this program, but outside of the program, people raised a lot of uh, objections to this, what they felt was a summary, a summary conclusion without having themselves interviewed the president. Well, in a sense, you have to leave some wiggle room here and allow for professionalism and experience and expertise. They weren't just talking off the cuff. These were people with serious credentials, many years in the field, and they felt, as they kept saying, a duty to warn the nation. This is not a good candidate for the presidency of the United States. He's got big problems. And they should be tended to, and that should be the priority. Not electing him, but analyzing him and getting him treatment. Because they said, again, they deemed him to be a a danger to the country, a danger. Imagine that. A lot of people went crazy about that. But I understand their rationale for being public about it. They said they had, they felt they had a duty to warn. Just in case somebody comes up with a different kind of critique saying, these are psychiatrists and psychologists and psychoanalysts and all these different PhDs and whatever else degrees that they have. If they saw it, why didn't they say something? Well, they said something. They said something. And... 2017, they said something. And now Congress is having hearings on the many instances in which people who worked in the White House also saw something. They didn't talk to to Donald Trump. They didn't interview him. They went on the basis of what they saw, what they learned, what they observed. But I'm saying, I don't want to sound like I'm making a big case here, but it is important to drive home the point that sometimes we can't just issue blanket statements of condemnation This organization did its best to warn the entire nation that something grave is wrong with this president, this man, and he should not be president because he has dangerous mental illness. That's what they said. Now, I'm not a psychiatrist. But I listen closely to what people say. 
And I, I also take note of the fact of how extraordinary it was that in the heat of a campaign gearing up to choose the head of state of one of the leading nations of the world, these professionals put themselves on the line and said, what supersedes any other concern that they have is what they considered a duty to warn the nation. Whether people listened or not is just up to them. But they considered it a duty to spell out the huge problems that they had detected as psychiatric experts. So I return to that because of January the 6th and because of this ongoing hearing, it, is, it was so serious. His behavior, his conduct was so serious, it triggered a congressional hearing. Post facto, though. Post facto. So we should be asking ourselves, why were we so unwilling to listen to what they had to say? Why were we so dismissive of their assessment? Because many of them were black and Latino and Asian. They don't know what they're doing. And here we are, five years down the road, from the report that they had issued and had hoped that the nation was paying attention because they too were taking professional risks by being so publicly critical of a candidate for the presidency of the United States. And he went on to be president of the United States, but they were trying to warn the nation. And instead, we got what we got. People say, well, who the heck are you? You didn't talk to him. You didn't interview him. You don't know what's going on in his head. Well, that's funny. The witnesses called by this January 6th committee also have no idea what went on in his head. But they did understand the language of his actions that raise major questions and themselves are expressing doubt that they missed it. And did they aid and abet or encourage the presidency of Donald Trump? And only post facto now, you're doing analysis on, a, on the corpse of the whole thing. Sometimes it's important. You may not like what people are saying, but you have to trust, in some cases, the credentials. You have to trust the credentials of the people trying to bring you some information.
active duty as an organization of professionals to put on the record that they have issued a warning. The nation refused to hear it. Look what we got. Look what we got. A man who's throwing his dinner on the wall, who's screaming and shouting at people, who's inviting people with guns and other weapons to come in to Washington, D.C. The intention was to basically jam up his own vice president who had no clue what was going on. To threaten him with death even. They didn't come down to Washington, D.C. with their guns and their hand grenades and, and their firebombs and whatever else planted outside the, uh, the now vice president's office. That wasn't a game. That was, a, that was not a joke. These people meant business. And the choreographer-in-chief was Donald Trump. And people are still saying it really wasn't him. People had their own ideas anyway, and they were going to do what they were going to do anyway. They're still making excuses. They refuse to accept the, the, the assessment that Donald Trump has what they call dangerous mental illness. Five years ago, they said that. Okay. I needed to say that because that was my point. I may add that a large part of the resentment toward this group was that many of them are people of color, professionals, and they're dealing with the distortion of the mind and of a presidential candidate at that. Nobody has respect. They cannot bring themselves to say, this is a damning assessment and invite people to come on in. Let's discuss this a little further. What gave you the indication that this and this and this was the case? Uh, they're not talking to these people. They don't even exist. And we are paying for the problem. We are paying for it now. And this happens quite frequently, not only in this particular profession, but in almost all professions. You talk about law enforcement, it's the same thing. There are many, many African-Americans, Latinos, women, Asians, in law enforcement who could tell you a thing. We saw that in the case of George Floyd. 
Nobody wants to pay them any mind because they can't even accept that they have something important to contribute. So they dismiss them out of hand. I've seen this happen time and again. It happened to me. I agree. Uh, you know, I was working with a small paper. It was a damn good paper, too. And we kicked butt. We did not hold a candle to anybody. But it was always a challenge. It was always a challenge. It was my paper and the reporter, Peter Noel, who proved that that so-called Trump again, Trump again, who came out blasting, demanding the death penalty for four completely innocent young men, black men, of course. It was my reporter, I should say our reporter, because everybody belonged to everybody at our paper, who tracked down the truth of what happened to that horrible situation in Central Park, where this woman was so viciously attacked. Trump immediately got on the bandwagon, walking the streets of New York like he owns it, and calling for the death penalty, the execution of these young men. They didn't even, they weren't even yet formally charged. The New York Times didn't do it. Trump said it, so therefore it had to be true. We got to check ourselves because we have committed serious omissions, sins of omission, not to mention sins of commission, but we, we have some accounting to do in the omission department. And that's what I wanted to say, that this so-called former president of the United States was in a position, I think just the angels were flying with, with the rest of us. The angels were looking out for us. But this man would have run us right into serious and irreversible danger. Simply because we, we have developed ideas about ourselves, and this is part of the consequence of oppression and racism. You devalue even your own brain. You dismiss your own talent, you doubt yourself. And what you are saying is so relevant and it is about saving millions of people. But nobody wants to hear you. Automatically they dismiss you. What credentials could you possibly have? What expertise, what experience could you possibly have? 
Haiti. That's the lesson of what could happen when racism, transient racism, is internalized. We, we are functioning on automatic. We know exactly what they would have us do, so we do it. What they would have us think, so we think it. Free your mind. Free your mind. It is killing us. So the exercise today basically calls upon all who dare to answer just two questions. Name three things you will give Joe Biden credit for or name three things he does not deserve credit for and explain your answer. 888-874-4888. Let's see what's going on in your head. Name three things that you think Biden deserves credit for and name three things he does not deserve credit for and explain your answer either way. Let's give you some time so we should take a little break. Over. Look how fast. I like this. This is spontaneous response. Oh, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Jackie from Brooklyn, you're on the air. Let's go off. Good afternoon, my sister, you and the listening family. Okay, before I answer your your question, I want to just very briefly make about a three-line commentary on what you talked about. I understand your uh, your passion, and I understand uh, your frustration and your historical knowledge of what it means to try to speak out against racism in America. Uh, so I won't go any further with that, but I want to say one thing. The angels are always flying with us. That's how we've been able to survive for the last 300 or 400 years. Uh, the other thing is that um, what whomever t- ascends to the office of the presidency, unless the surrounding political parties and the will of the people are actually exercised, we're going to continue to have this kind of monstrous uh, presidency in the form of one person or another. Because whether or not we agree that he was found to be mentally ill, even though they never interviewed him, his conduct... They still haven't interviewed him about it. This panel, this august body that we hear from called the, the, the January 6th Committee... They still haven't interviewed him. Nobody's interviewed him. Okay, but but my bigger question is, why hasn't DOJ filed any charges yet? See, this is the the issue, as far as I'm personally concerned. Uh, There's a lot of press parade, and there's a lot of every day they're inundating our minds, if you let them, with uh, what happened, what happened, what happened. But the few people that were actually arrested have not been charged with sedition or treason or anything like that. They've been charged with trespass. 
and things of what that What was nature. the first thing, if you recall, what was the very first thing I said that the charge should be? What was the very first thing I said? I don't and know I even gave a hint. I said it's an S-word, an S-word. What we saw was an S-word. What is that word? Nobody got it. Uh, is, are you saying sedition or are you saying a curse word? Sedition. <laughs> no, no, sedition. Sedition was it. Not sedition, and I pointed <laughs> out that sedition was a, uh, yeah, an act has of rebellion even at the lowest levels, has anyone ever yes. been charged with that? Okay, so so not only have they been charged, they have been executed. No, but what I'm saying, there has been no criminal charges brought for sedition or treason against anyone, even though they got no, all. No, what they did, what they did, they did a very interesting little thing, a sleight of hand here, and yeah. now they, rather than say this was just sedition, they're calling it seditious conspiracy which yes. gives everybody a way out well this is the problem this is how i see it it's like a three card monty you know you keep your eye over here while they shuffle the card over there and then they ask you uh for people that don't live in new york i don't know if they know what three card monty is but it's like a street game that hustlers do, and they you put down a bet, and then you have to pick out where something is under three cards. But the way the operator of the game works, you can never figure it out because they shuffle the cards around. So now we got the three-card Monty on the highest level. The three-card Monty is you look at the January 6th hearings, then you hear like three days of commentaries by the talking heads, and then yeah, but, but we're swaying, we're swaying. Let's tighten this up because we're straying from our program today. Yeah, I'll go. Okay, I'll program, I want people to answer some questions here uh, and see what they think that they would uh, give Joe Biden credit for and what they think he does not deserve credit for and to explain their answers. I'll try to do that quickly. Okay. Credit in terms of, uh, okay, let me do the negatives first. The negatives first is failure to launch any kind of political um, front to destroy the filibuster. I think he hasn't done anything in that area. I don't think he's done anything in terms of strengthening the Democratic, alleged Democratic Party to make sure that more uh, Democrats are elected to take the uh, balance in the House over to the Democratic side so they would have a greater majority for votes. Um, I'm, I'm, you know my position, well, you don't know, but you've heard me speak about just opening the spigot of money for the Ukraine. I have real problems with that, even though I don't have problems with helping people that are being invaded. I have a problem with the manner in which they're receiving the help and the lack of accountability for the weapons and the billions of dollars. Uh, okay. Again, uh, prices we have here. to move on. We have to move on. Okay. Uh, and the, the positive, to you want to hear the positive? Uh, the positive was uh, Katanji Brown Jackson, who was, um, you know, sworn in today. And I hope you talk about that one day, too, because she had to take an oath 
a judicial oath to uphold the Constitution, regardless of whether the person is rich or poor, and even-handed administration of justice. So I hope you all have a conversation one day about Clarence Thomas and his wife. All right. So anyway, in terms of Biden, uh, I'm I'm happy about the Ketanji Brown. I'm not happy about high-level appointments of people of color, but lack of services that come down to the communities of color. I am uh, happy that he's but trying. You've got to move on. You take a lot right, of time. Right. Be blessed. Have to leave some time for other people. Thank you. Yes, Are you in the mood to answer these questions? And that, as Jackie raised a very important point, but so did I, and that is about the business of sedition. The very first thing I said about it, the, you may recall it, I don't know. The very first thing I said, the same day, I said, well, what what are you looking at? Uh, people thought it was protesters. And no, you're looking at sedition. That's sedition. That's what people used to be executed for. Or hanged for one way or the other by the state, because it's a very serious crime. Now we're talking, even with all this, the power of the, the uh, Senate and the House, they're talking seditious conspiracy. Really? How did, who changed the definition of sedition? But that's a whole other story, and it will come up when it comes up very soon. 888-874-4888. Right now, we are uh, basically assessing Joe Biden. What do you give him credit for? Name three things you give him credit for. And give three things that he, that you do not give him credit for and explain your answer. All right. You've had time, some time to observe the performance of Joe Biden, two years already. Uh, you should have some kind of opinion about what you think he deserves credit for so far. And three things you do not give him credit for and give your answer. Explain your answer. What say you? 888-874-4888. Ooh, the phones are silent, which means people are a little antsy. They're not sure whether they should put themselves out there and be publicly, be publicly exposed. <laughs> Come on, you're among friends, you're among family. I just want to know what you're thinking. You have had a chance to assess how this administration has been working in all kinds of facets, so all different kinds of ways. Surely you have an idea of ways in which you think they're doing a good job or have done a good job and they deserve credit for that. And surely 
there are things that you had at the top of your list, your preference list, but they haven't shown up yet on Biden's list. So he does not get credit for that from you. And tell us why. You're observing politics every single day. Now is the time to give us an answer. Okay. I don't see anybody on the board. That means people are, they get quiet and they hide. What are you hiding for? Say what you got to say. Let's hear you. And engage. This is what, when you're doing radio, you want to encourage people to be brave about what they're thinking. Be brave about it. Because this is what, in fact, is coming out of your head. And then you could tell us why it's coming out of your head. And we could have a conversation about that. Ed from Queens, you're on the air. Hey, good afternoon. You choose good to have you back. Thank you. I'm glad to be back, too, with you, you and you others. Were so, you were sorely missed. You were sorely missed. Uh, <laughs> it was just a couple of days. Although, I mean, it's, it's hard because there's not, there, there aren't many intelligent options on the radio or, or on the internet these days. Listen to what I, he said. I appreciate you. I do. Uh, Thank you. to the Biden administration, I can't give them any type of good grade. I mean, I think there's a general lack of ability to to impart good governance in this administration and in the political theater in general. I mean, even with this January 6th uh, investigation, personally, this man is a seditious traitor. He is a mentally Ooh, disturbed. That is frightening words, as they used to say in Brooklyn. <laughs> that is frightening words. Like I said, I've said it before. If this was wartime, you take him out back and put a bullet in his head. He's a seditious mm. traitor. He's an egomaniac. And 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 if these if we had real government officials who knew their business and who knew how to give good governance, this man would have never even been considered as a president. And he would have been under the jail. So that being said, I mean this is a this is an attempt to uh to set the wheels of justice in motion, but it in my opinion it's 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 a poor, impotent attempt. And I don't think anything is going to come of it, of any real good fruition. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm just, I'm just totally disaffected with this government as, as a whole. And Biden is just uh, the epitome of impotence as far as American politics is concerned. Are you a little bit off the charts here with your anger about Biden? No. I mean, this, is a, this was a time... For, for 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 leadership, this was a time for dynamic, innovative ideas, and the platform was set with with with, uh, with, with the Black Lives Matter, with uh, with all of the movements that were conspiring and fomenting around the country. A real leader, someone who really was for the people and had the intelligence of leadership, could have rallied forces and really done something to improve the human condition in America. And these guys couldn't get their crap together. You know what I mean? They couldn't, they couldn't find their the way in the dark with a flashlight. 
And, and it disgusts me. It really disgusts me because we're at a time where it's needed. We were in a pandemic, and we had we had a group. We, for example, we had a group of less than ten individuals that not only doubled, that quadrupled their wealth during a time where people were dying and and, and out of work. Well, well people the, the cute word is food is cool. Well, people are freaking hungry, and these people were up here laughing and joking and kneeling and 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 even now. With the abortion, oh, I said for Nancy Pelosi, did you see the prayer that I put out there? Come on, man. I mean, even even with the corruption of Watergate, even back in the days when I was a child, even though the politicians were, in my opinion, full of crap, but still, at least they presented a form of governance. At least they had some moral standing. At least they had some limits where they wouldn't go. These people have their empty suits. They have no moral compass. They're just in it for self-adulation. They're called the personality. And, and, and even their, word, their, their words, their meanings, they're empty. And that's why we're... So we're you, give him, you, you give him no credit at all for what he has done or is doing? And... I, and, I can't and give him any credit because he's not, he's not accessing the office. He's not. First of all, he 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 reneged on half of what he promised in the campaign. Uh, second of all, he he he's just. I believe he has a mental problem. I believe he's. You know, I'm not a doctor by no means. This this is my disclaimer. I don't have any medical knowledge. Only personal empirical knowledge. But I think he's got Alzheimer's. I think he's got beginning stage Alzheimer's. And I think that the, his administration knows that. And they, they're they're mollycoddling him. His wife. Uh, Kamala Harris, that, that's another uh, uh, country yet heard from. I mean, the, the time for dynamic political action was now, and these people aren't capable of doing it. I don't think they have it in there. Uh, well, thank you. I don't know why I'm thanking you, but I'm thanking you. <laughs> because you've been a little harsh today. But I understand well, you. I mean, you know, we got we got we got to rally amongst ourselves. We got to rally amongst ourselves. We got to find it in ourselves, and it's going to be a hard road to hoe. And uh, you know, I mean, I, I doubt that I see any fruition of it in my lifetime. But we got to rally among ourselves, and we got to take care of ourselves because these these political officials they can't. I don't even think they can. I don't think they have the the mentality or the emotional uh, intelligence to do anything but what they're doing with the self-serving, grandiose behavior. I think you have a point, a very strong point there. Thank you for contributing. Thank you. Gwen from New York, you're on the air. Hi, Yatrice. Hi, Gwen. What's going on? What are you thinking? I, I heard you're beckoning for people to call. And I just walked in the door. I think I have an idea what the question is, but could you repeat it just one more time? You said jump in the water, so I want to jump in. Okay. Name three things that you give Biden credit for. Three things you think he does not deserve credit for and explain your answers. Okay. Well, the first one is easy. I give Biden credit for just not being Donald Trump. And I, I have to say, for you give him credit for not being somebody. Yes, I do give him credit for that because 
after we have witnessed what happened on the Supreme Court, I think everyone now gets how serious it is uh, who is the president uh, in, in certain respects. So, um, you know, it's always serious to be the president, but the fact that Trump was able to put three of these hard heads on that uh, are want to take us back to, uh, you know, the 1300s, um, you know, I, I just give him credit for just not being Trump. So uh, I, it's hard, a little hard for me to find things to credit Biden with because uh, for the most part, I just feel like he's on automatic pilot. So maybe the next thing I'm going to give a credit for is that there hasn't been, there hasn't been anything really radical that happened either way. Um, now, you know, it's disappointing that, that nothing uh, on the good side of radical happened. But after going through Trumpville, uh, I, I, was, I felt like I was on the cyclone at Coney Island while Trump was the president. And uh, it was a pretty scary ride. So uh, he has not been uh, radical as, 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 as Trump was. And I, she's, I don't know. The third thing, I, I, I can't really think of anything, you know, uh, that's, that I think that I, I don't know what Biden has done for us, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what he could do for us anyway, because it's my feeling that it doesn't matter who the president is anymore. You have uh, the World Economic Forum uh, and their mouthpiece who are really calling the shots for the entire planet. So, uh, you know, even if Biden had wanted to do something, he doesn't take his orders from we the people. He takes orders from uh, some of the people who are the wealthiest in the world. So I can't really give you anything on the third thing. Um, the, thing the thing that I really uh, am most upset about Biden with is uh, pulling us right up to the uh, edge of a possible uh, nuclear war with Russia uh, and the, the fact that uh, he has allowed, he's allowed this train to get out of the barn. He's allowing the neocons to con continue to call policy for the United States. And it has been proven time after time that the neocons are mentally ill uh, because no one who had all their marbles would want to uh, provoke a nuclear war with Russia, thinking that we could get out of it. We can't get out of it. Uh, it will be the end. So I'm very angry that he um, he basically let his personal feelings about Putin and Russia get in front of him. And then he was willing to take the orders to go ahead and, and uh, allow this war to start. And I think this war will go on for many, many years uh, if it just goes on as regular ground war. But I think, you know, we're really, really, uh, we're really uh, raising the stakes here. And um, I I can see how it could get. Uh, really out of hand really fast. So I'm, I'm pretty upset about that. Uh, I think the other thing I'm very upset about is uh, I don't, I obviously don't like his stance on the vaccine. I don't think anybody, I don't think we should have mandatory vaccines in the United States. And I don't think anybody should be losing their job because they refuse to, uh, to make a choice to not take a vaccine. Uh, so I think that that was a terrible thing to do. And I think uh, the last thing is this really, really pisses me off because he's got he has to know that during President Roosevelt, maybe he doesn't know this, but during President Roosevelt's administration, Roosevelt got in front of these people that are jacking the prices up by putting price controls on them. And instead of putting price controls on them, he keeps feeding the, uh, the addict with more money. 
You know, if you give, uh, if you if you want to slow down a heroin addict by giving them more heroin just to keep them calm, well, the heroin addict is just going to keep coming back for more. That doesn't mean he's going to change his behavior. And that's exactly what's happening throughout the United States, is that we are subsidizing businesses like the oil industry, which simply does not need subsidies from anyone in the United States. We're, we're manufacturing, I hate fracking, but because we have fracked and we fracked on anything that wasn't moving, we're manufacturing more of fuel than we ever have. In the whole in the whole time in the United States through fracking, so there is no shortage for us of of, of gasoline here in the United States. Uh, so we are allowing the excuse of Russia to be used to allow these uh, companies, which are criminals, to keep jacking up the price of oil, which has gone. It's like an infection that's gone on to everything else. Because when you ask people, well, why are I mean, could you please tell me why cat litter went from seven dollars a bag to sixteen dollars a bag in a matter of two months? I mean, what's that? I mean, what, cat litter can't be delivered to the United States anymore. It's not made here. Come on, give me a break. So I'm really upset that he, he didn't have to be, he didn't have to be a rocket scientist. You simply had to go back to look at presidents that actually did make a difference in this country and use their technologies on the same exact problem that we were having in the 1930s. Roosevelt confronted these kind of problems, and this is how he handled it. So they would be, I think, my top three. Of, of what he's done uh, that I was really, really upset about. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks thank you, for being very uh, targeted in your response. Thank you very much. Well, that brings us to the end of our program today. And I thank you for uh, joining me. And I, I thank myself for joining you. <laughs> and I thank our... Uh, how do I call them? Our whizzes. Uh, I can't. I can't fix anything technological. I can't do it. I just. I know right off the bat that it is way beyond my capacity to do. But I do admire people who know how to do these things, and they pulled this rabbit out of the hat so that we can be back with each other again. Not just today, but hopefully in the many days to come. Thank you all for making such an effort to have the program have meaning. And I want to especially encourage you not to fold. Go out there. Put your ideas out there. Test yourself and see what you get. You may be inspiring people, and you may not have an idea that you're doing that, but that's... That's what's important about putting, taking a little risk and putting yourself out there. Let's join each other again tomorrow and talk some more. Bye-bye.